He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Coming to you one last time from Southern Hills. We won't be back for a year, but, man, it was a great week. Alex Chaka is your 2021 KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship. Uh, champion, pardon me. Make sure you head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Uh, they're going to have it all covered. A lot of stories up there. A lot of great stuff from Southern Hills this week. It was an unbelievable day from Chaka. He was an absolute wizard around the greens. Bunker shots on 8, on 15, on 16, all inside 3 feet. And then on 17, he's chipping into the grain with about 70 feet of green to work with. Chips it up to 3 inches, taps it in, makes par on 18. It was just an absolutely dominating performance from Alex Chayka, who has now won two majors on the Champions Tour this month. So just awesome, awesome stuff from Alex Chayka. Yeah, Colby, I mean, uh, I, I think we're going to be able to hear from him at the end of the show. Uh, yeah, we are. We are. I meant to mention that. We're going to have the full Alex Chaka interview. Uh, it's, it's pretty long, so we're just going to put it at the end for those of you who want to stick around for it. It's like 20 minutes, but it is so, so good. I am now an Alex Chaka fan. He is just – he was so happy. And, and what really struck me is he's in awe of his own success because he never thought he would be here. He was Monday qualifying into Champions Tour events. We as, did the how high, and he was only 33. Yes. That was the highest he ever in his got career. in his PGA Tour career. And, and he was he, he even talked about it in his interview afterward. As of about six weeks ago, the tournament before the region's traditions, he was an alternate to get into that tournament. And then he wins the region's traditions for his first major championship. And then he wins the senior PGA this year at Southern, which means he gets to come back to Southern next year uh, and play with the young guys. So it's just, I mean, dream story for Alex Chaykin. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is probably the most dominating rookie season we've ever seen uh since the 1991 uh, Champions rookie season for Jack Nicklaus uh, when he won two majors in his rookie season. And Alex Chayka has, has time to win some more this season. I mean, ab- I mean, absolutely uh, unbelievable play from Alex Chayka. What I saw from him today uh, is it seemed like he kept his aggressiveness throughout the day regardless of the fact he was up by four and five at some points. I don't know why, you know, he would hit a three-wood at number 10 and even take the chance of going in that creek, but a hell of an up and down right there. Um, and then he hit the a great shot at 12 uh, to, to make a birdie and get to eight under. Um, and then uh, when he went to 13, boys, he, he went for the green and, and hit it in the water. Uh, so that was a little interesting. That That's where his aggressiveness might have hurt him and, and – I asked him about that. I was like, I, I still like it though, man. Play your game. Well, exactly. And then it paid off for him on 15 when he had, you know, the speed to get in. Um, when he was down in that bunker, you had he had to. Really go after that bunker shot. He went after and, it so he, – he generated so much speed getting have, through the sand. And if you have any doubt or any timidness on a shot like that, you're going to chunk it or bone it over the green. Uh, and then he got up and down again on 16, and then he went for it again on 17, and that gave him the cushion uh, on 18 to just kind of – like he said – well, he did, he said he didn't enjoy it until the ball went in the hole, but it really uh, allowed him he to kind of cruise to victory. He, he enjoyed that walk up 18. Well, and you know, one thing, guys, is that, you know, he ended in the water on 13, but probably part of his strategy was he's 
playing so good out of the bunkers that if he misses the green, it's going to be up in a greenside bunker. So he's going to have a uh, up and in for guaranteed birdie from what it seemed like. And I just want to put into perspective for people who haven't been out to Southern Hills or don't know exactly how hard bunker shots are. These up and downs that he had were so unbelievable, not just from the fact that, um, you know, he wasn't hitting them to 15 feet and then making long par putts. He was hitting these outrageously hard short game shots to within three feet almost every time. It was truly special to watch. And, you know, honestly, guys, I think the – I mean, obviously, Cheka played great, and that's going to be the storyline. But we got we to gotta look at Steve Stricker, guys. I mean – I mean, Don't I, look too close. Hey, I, real I, quick, before we get off Cheka, I, I want to bring up the fact – and we were talking about this when we were waiting on Cheka to get done with the trophy presentation before the press conference. And how about the fact that – the senior or senior PGA champion is actually younger than the PGA champion for the first time in history. First time in history, and maybe I'm gonna guess the last time in history. That probably will never happen again, right? <laughs> I, unless uh, unless Phil wins next year here. That's which, a great point. which I mean is maybe a possibility. I wouldn't count on it. I mean, I don't think that this course. Really I like. I liked when they 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 were like, "And you get an exemption in the next year." And he's like, "Man, I don't know about next year with the how yeah, long the course I, yeah, is going to be." Yeah, playing. I was the one that asked that. Yeah, so exactly. shout, shout out to myself. And, and uh, <laughs> gotta give it up to myself. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Someone else does that around here. And uh, yeah, speaking of giving up to myself, guys, let's go to our little uh, before I get in the stricker. Let's go to our three uh, three man DraftKings line that for this week. Seems because fine. because no, I mean, seems unnecessary. I mean, we don't I, have time. I mean, <laughs> I just look at this domination. 327 points. Colby was second at 281.5. And then Sam, um, wait, 235.5? I mean, I mean. Nothing wrong with bronze, Sam. Nothing wrong with bronze. Oh my God, John Daly didn't do me very good. <laughs> you roll, you, you roll with the man, Daly. I picked Stricker to win. Boy, and you were looking, looking great all week and that, that, until it wasn't. That's a, I mean, that's a perfect segue right there, guys. I, I said yesterday on the show that it was like the most surefire thing that Stricker wasn't going to come out and let other people into the event. <laughs> and that's exactly said there, no chance no that chance he bogeys of- five holes in a row or something <laughs> like that. And he was four <laughs> over through four and then he birdied uh, the I, very reachable par five fifth. One piece of audio we, we won't have um, but he, he was really gracious with his time was KJ Choi and I asked him, you know, I said, you were five down to start the day, and after you finish number five, you're you're in the lead. And Like, were you looking at the leaderboard all day? And, and kind of he was just like, yeah, it was a little bit shocking. And Chaka said that as well. It was just absolutely shocking. Chaka even said that it, it almost hindered his game a little bit because it was, it, it was such a shock to the system uh, to have the lead that early in the day. Yeah, and, well, and I was just going to say, too, it's like Stricker putted so poorly today that we actually got confused and were texting back and forth about tweeting out leaderboards because I was out watching it live and I was standing behind number four green and Stricker had splashed a bunker shot up to what looked like about two feet. I mean, number four green, there's a big hill behind it, so you can pretty clearly see how close they are. So after Mike Weir made his 15-footer for birdie, I took off, uh, took off up the left side of number five and I tweeted out the leaderboard and then it turns out, Stricker did not make that putt, and Stricker did almost didn't even hit the hole. Well, here's the deal, and and first, before I say this, I want to give it up to Steve Stricker. He stuck around and signed autographs for pretty much everyone. Standing, oh, he's still the man, standing by the putting green, the captain. Now, and let me let me get into this for a second. I do not understand why a putter of his, putter of his caliber would change putters on Wednesday night before the tournament. Did he just do it Wednesday night? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's weird seeing him putting with something. what Justin Leonard said on the broadcast. It's weird seeing him putting with something different. He's one of the best putters of all time, and he had just pretty much an all-time bad putting day today. He might have missed more putts inside 10 feet today than he has in in the last two years. I think it it was – I mean, he sneaky got rattled just on number two 
after uh, the bogey on one, hitting it into the creek on two, and then it seemed like he wa- he wasn't hitting it well either. He was putting pressure on his putting and still not putting well. Uh, so it was kind he, of he drove around, it pretty erratic, all today. around yeah. bad day where he had been striping it down the fairway all week. This yeah, let's week see. He was today. in the I believe he was in the right rough on one. He was in the creek left on two. He was in the left rough on four. He was in the left rough on five. He was in the right rough on seven. So he had the two way miss and, going and pretty also, much all day. And also, not even on the tee box, guys. He bogeyed three of the four par threes. I same, mean, same. So I mean, he wasn't hitting his iron yikes. shots that well either. Same thing with Weir. Who would have thought after the first and second round? Uh, that Stricker and Weir, the guys that were hitting it the absolute best in the tournament, uh, were hitting it average to below average for the rest of the tournament. I wouldn't have thought that. I'm, I mean, and you guys are, are more into the sports books than I am. I mean, what kind of odds could you have got on last night a Steve Stricker finish outside top 10 finish? Probably. You could not have gotten odds on that. There's no book that would have even put odds on it because, I mean, he was a six under. I mean, to be outside the top 10 would have had to have been, coming into the day, it would have had to have been over par, and there's just no way that you could have imagined Steve Stricker getting there, and he did. He shot 77 today, finished the tournament one over in T11, so he's going to be disappointed, man. He he was in the playoff with Cheka at the Traditions. Today he's in the final group with Cheka, and he's one up going into the day. Cheka walks off with two trophies, and and he's left uh, holding nothing. My big takeaway from this week uh, is that Alex Cheka – hit his irons better than anybody in this tournament. I mean, Alex Chayka, his distance control was paramount. Obviously, you know, he had the two up and downs late that really secured the deal and were kind of the daggers. Uh, but his distance control and proximity to the, to the hole, uh, obviously they didn't do uh, shot length this week. But I, I, I feel like, you know, um, they had to be pretty high, if not first uh, in the top five at least, in proximity to the hole. Yeah, and today his strokes gained around the green would have been through the roof. I think my big takeaway from this week is that I'm now a huge Alex Chaka fan. I mean, the hashtag dude, nice. He hashtag responded nice. to us. He did on on Instagram. He did. He's just he seems so awesome. And what I love is he is so grateful. He's so appreciative of the opportunity to be out here, and he even is in awe of his own success. I tweeted out at the uh, the the press conference afterward. First off. He couldn't stop smiling. That's that's usual. But he couldn't stop staring at the trophy. He kept, his eyes kept darting to the trophy. He kept touching it. He mentioned the trophy like mentioned six or the seven names times. On the trophy. All the names on the trophy. He's just he is in awe and he's just so grateful and so appreciative of his opportunity to be here and he's making the most of it. And I think that's kind of his personality for people that don't know his story. He was born in the Czech Republic and his father uh, had them flee the Czech Republic to West at that point was West Germany. And they had to go across, they had to swim across the river just to flee the Czech Republic, who, who was in turmoil at the time. And so I think he, he, he was nine years old at the time. Yeah. And so he kind of lives his life with that gratefulness. Yeah. And I watched so. his interview with the NBC guys on the broadcast afterwards and they asked him about it. And he's like, you know, it's, it's amazing whenever someone really gives you a chance in life. And he's like, yeah. that's what my father did. He gave me a chance in life. And his story is just, man, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, to go from where he was at with his golf game just a couple of years ago, I mean, the dude's playing mini tours. He's playing mini tours. And then he comes out. He's, he's Monday qualifying for some Champions Tour events. He's in some other ones based on how much money he made on the PGA Tour. But, I mean, he never thought in a, a million years he would win back-to-back majors. It's unbelievable. T-Dub, I want to get your thoughts on what what he said when I asked him if this was the best golf you have ever played in your career. Now, obviously, he might have at a certain point hit it farther, and, and he was younger, maybe in better shape. 
but I think that this is has to be the most dominating, at least, golf that he's that he's ever played in his career. And what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting concept because you know Jake um, is fifty, so let's rewind the clock twenty years. If he was playing the twenty twenty one U.S. Open out here, you know who would be the better golfer? And I mean, it, then that goes into the talk of you know, are you comparing yourself to the field that you're playing against or to your actual self? And I mean, he's attested it to it that he feels like he's playing really. He he, he kind of alluded to yes and no. Um, the the full audio will be at the end of the show. He, he did say that he's played better at times, but he never really won, like in the majors uh, or in big events in his PGA Tour career. But it, considering the competition, you know, how much he's dominated this year, I mean, it has to be up there. Well, and it's just a, it's a new level of confidence. It's, you know, you can play fabulously for how many ever months, and if you don't hoist a trophy, you can start getting down on yourself. Riding the wave, as he said yesterday. Exactly, and he, he rode the wave perfectly today. I mean, I would have, if you guys would have told me last night that Cheka or anyone really, I mean, maybe Stricker, I would I would have believed, but someone was going to win this tournament by four shots, and honestly, going away the last, there was times where it looked like Cheka may have been able to make a bogey on some of those holes coming in because he put himself in some tricky bunker spots, but after he just hit his his um, his third shots up there or his um, shot around the green, it's it, it was over because he's not going to miss that three footer. And, um, and I just I, I was blown away with how well Cheka played today. And I think one of the biggest um, things for Cheka today was on number ten hits in the wall, hits in the creek, tries to be super aggressive like we're talking about, is able to get it up and down from over a hundred yards, and then after that proceeds to hit it pretty close on eleven to make birdie, and then hit it really cl- to about a foot on twelve to make another birdie. So to be able to get up and down on ten to save that momentum and then go back to back birdies. Even though he did hit it in the water on 13, I think that that was kind of the stretch where he kind of planted his flag and said, this is my tournament. Yeah, and, and in that press conference when he brought up the fact that he wasn't nervous at the first uh, major that he won this year, but he said he was extra nervous at this one. But that didn't make sense because when I was watching him out there, it seemed like he wasn't nervous at all. I mean, he's sitting there uh, – really get, getting after those bunker shots. He's going for greens on like on 17 and 13 and 10, even though a couple of those didn't work out. He was being aggressive, and it didn't seem like uh, – and not only were they great bunker shots, he had to make the putts too coming down the stretch. And, and I just didn't see any uh, timidness in his game, at least. He might have felt that way, but it didn't come out. I, I saw two shots all day where I thought that he looked nervous, and they were really early, and they both resulted in bogeys. He was chipping on number two, kind of scooped it, flubbed it, and it ended up just on the fringe. He had to two-putt from 40 feet for bogey, and he did. Same thing on number three. He's chipping from greenside on number three. Short, short-sided. He flubs it. He has to go up and two-putt from 40 feet for bogey, and he did. So even though he flubbed the chips, he Which still were, didn't uh, let it get away from him and make double. Yeah, I was just going to say both those chips were into the grain, were they not? Yes. yes. So, yes. I mean, that makes kind of explain. Into the grain, short-sided. Yeah, that's that's not a fun shot at all. No. And so, for him to be able to come back and rebound after that. But, like you said, I mean, it's Stricker just opened the door up for him early, being three over through two holes. And I think that one thing, too, to notice is that, you know, when Stricker, when he made the double on 12, correct me if I'm wrong, Colby, didn't he three-putt that hole from about uh, – he hit he hooked in the on creek. 12? On 12? No, on, on, two. Two. on two. On two. On two, yes. I'm sorry. Yes, he dropped about uh, – I'd say he probably dropped 180 out, hit a pretty decent shot up to about 40 feet, left it six feet short, missed the six-footer. So, it was – I mean, it was just really an error – on, on top of errors for Stricker early in the round. I have a question for both of y'all because both of y'all were talking uh, on a previous podcast about drivable holes coming down the stretch. We even talked about maybe uh, changes you know, to Augusta or w- whether we should have a drivable hole uh, coming down the stretch. And 
I want to ask you guys a question about 17. Today they played it around 280 yards or 260 yards. No, no, no. no. It, was, it was 251 251 today. Because the wind it, was out of the south. Okay, it was 280 the day before. Yes, 286 okay. on Saturday. Correct. Okay, my, that's that's my point. They and basically so, had been making it shorter every single day. Okay, so when the big boys come next year, how far do you play that hole? Because a driver's not holding that green. No, a driver's not holding that I'm, green I, at all. I, how, I, do you I, play it as like a long par three? Like 270? I would say I want to play it probably around, put it at about the 300 range. And obviously it depends on the wind, too. Depends on the wind. They'll have to set up for the wind. Correct. If, if it's fairly calm like it was, I mean, today the wind was out of the south, but there really was not a lot of wind today. Basically, it was seven, eight miles an hour all day. Basically, my question is, would you guys want to see those balls hold the green uh, with the big boys, or would you rather a driver try to get a lucky bounce? I would say, from that perspective, I mean, the green's so narrow um, from back to front that if you're having shots that come in and hold the green, unless you're really, really into the wind, the greens are probably too soft at that point, in my opinion. And I think one of my favorite things about drivable par five or drive or drivable par fours, excuse me, is that um, it can. The best ones, in my opinion, are where you're put in that tweener range of, oh, do I hit a soft driver or a hard three wood? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of about the yardage I want to see 17 play. Especially downwind. So so for for most guys, that would be in the 270 range, like you said. And obviously, you know, you have like Bryson, you know, who's who's in the uh, four. And and, and you have your long guys who are an example, but, you know, kind of take the median of the field and then. Now, let me ask you that. If you do put it at like 270 or whatever, 290 or whatever you want to put it at, and it's downwind. Are you giving too much of an advantage to the guys that can hit a three or four iron? I mean, it's a little down. I don't know. That's just kind of golf, isn't it? I mean, guys who can hit a four iron the same distance other guys can hit a three wood are always going to have an advantage of holding a green. So I think that that's just, you know, if Bryson can hit a four iron and somebody else has to hit a three wood, that's just that's just golf. Okay, so let me just wrap this up by saying I absolutely loved them making that hole drivable. And I was cannot fun. wait to watch it next year because it's not a gimme birdie. Uh, the only drivable close. holes that I don't like are when they are just gimme birdies. And the only time people ever actually gain strokes on the field is when they make an eagle. Well, see, and the reason it's not a gimme birdie is because that green's elevated and it runs off on every side. Especially off and, the back. And you cannot go long. Especially off the back. If you go long, the up and down is so, so difficult. And that's why I love it as a drivable par four because most guys aren't actually going to hold that green, which means we get to see all of the different short game shots from around that green. We get to see guys play from different difficult spots. And being in the front bunker on that hole is infinitely better than, than being, being on the long. tightly mown grass just that's five yards over that The green. last point I was going to bring up about it is is on Sunday next year, I would like to see that pin farther back because I want to see guys that go long, and I feel like more guys will go long uh, on the PGA Tour than the guys on the senior PGA Tour. I want to see the guys that go long have to have to uh, execute a shot from back there. And and not only, not just, I mean, because you could hit that shot, you could flub it or you could hit it 20 feet by or you could judge it just right, but that's the risk you're taking off the tee. Yeah, and the thing that I noticed was it seemed like the only day they didn't have it um, set up as a drivable hole was Thursday, and that was when they had the pin as far left as you could put it. And I think the reason for that is because the left side of the green is closer to the gallery, you know, like kind of like we alluded earlier into the week. So um, I think that if they're – which, in my opinion, that's my favorite pin on that green, which kind of stinks because I would love for that pin to be there with, with these boys giving them a chance to, to rip it at it because then you are you have the strategy of you just want to put it out in the middle part like what KJ tried to do and just run it up, but that would have ran it by the flag. Right. I like the option of having it on the left, but then there's the the safety hazard of uh, uh, yeah, uh, spectators, spectators getting, be getting dinged all day. So and, 
Go ahead, sir. No, go ahead. I, go well, ahead. I, I was just going to mention that that's right off uh, 17 Greens where one of the hospitality areas is. And yes. It's uh, very ruckus there, and a, a large accumulation of people so, are there. So. While we're talking about the course, grade the course this week, boys. A plus. I mean, how's it not an A plus? I agree. The, the whole event was an A plus, and, and just I mean everything. It's it's just absolutely grade A, start to finish. The I, Southern I'm, Hills. I'm blown I, away. I was stunned when I saw the course after seeing all these courses around the area, how hurt they were by the winter kill. I was stunned, and the weather we got, I was stunned. You know, I'll, I'll say this. It, it, if there's any reason you don't give it an A+, plus, um, there's no way that you couldn't do it for the course condition. The way that the course looked a month ago compared to now is just unbelievable. And Kerry Cosby alluded to it um, earlier in the week in one of his interviews that, I mean, the hard work that the staff here put in is it, just truly Russ unbelievable. Russ Myers, the superintendent. Russ Myers, superintendent, just, absolutely. I mean, and, and his staff. Can't, can't shout him out enough on his staff for what was done this week. And, and you know, guys, this was, uh, I believe for all of us, correct me if I'm wrong, the first time to be up here seeing the renovations. Yes, well, I mean, we were up there, you know, yeah, for the for, media thing back but, in like but, February, but we, were but just we didn't the walk the court. We were yeah, just we didn't up at the clubhouse. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, going through the holes, I I, tr I look on them, and a majority of the changes I'm a big fan of. Um, I think the, I guess maybe it's just for member play what they did on number two, making it split fairway. Because I, I don't know though. When you look back on that back tee box, if you get a west wind on number two, you might see some of the shorter hitters on number two go down the left side. Because you can't carry the bunker. Zach, and, and, and Zach Johnson's going up the left. Yeah, I bet Stricker <laughs> would pay a lot of money for his ball to have been in the left fairway today. Yes, he right. would. And so, I mean, I, I don't mind that change. I think seven's a better hole now. That was one of the other um, big changes. Definitely that they a had. better hole. Yeah. And one thing I like, they and we didn't even get to see that. Ten's a better yeah. hole too. Yeah, ten's a better hole. I, I I completely agree there. Twelve's a better hole. One one thing that uh, Go you know uh, when Goosen was up there getting interviewed, he kind of alluded to. I mean, obviously he won here in two thousand one, but he kind of seemed he was kind of on the he fence about. He the didn't like it. He, he said it was just for the bombers. And by the way, Retief Goosen finished T three this week at he, three hundred par. He had a bad taste in his mouth because he bogeyed eighteen. Though. Yeah, I mean, he still he a Sunday sixty six. Honestly, I I don't give a ton of credence uh, to his comments there at the end. To me, I I heard a frustrated golfer who didn't win the golf tournament come off the golf course. That's what I heard. That's what I heard a little bit too because he said you know the greens were unfair, but. Everyone else in the field was saying how slow they were. The Greens were not unfair. Then, they were phenomenal. They were phenomenal all week. And he, he well, he said they they he didn't like how you couldn't put certain pin locations because they would be unfair. Yeah, that, that, I want to get that quote right, but he, still, it just seemed like a little bit of sour grapes to me. Yeah, it, it was interesting because he said how. The fairways are what he said were essentially double as wide as they used to be, and the, and if I was going to give one criticism, <laughs> the U.S. Open versus PG Senior PGA, of course they're going to be wide. And, right. and, and and I and I agree that I think that next year for the big boys, the, the fairway should be a little bit narrower on a lot of holes. I, well, I do I believe think that. And the rough should be like, up. Like on on, uh, on number twelve, I think that they should really narrow it in past the fairway bunker on twelve. Really bring the rough in and let it grow up because some make of the bigger them, hitters make them hit like a. Yes, iron in. yes. either that or make them be incredibly precise with driver. Yeah. I, I want the right side of the green on number 12 to be as hard as this table that we're sitting yeah, at. Yeah, why wasn't I, it I shaved the, all the way down? I, you know, talking to Cody Burrows, who came on with us on Friday, who's caddied up here numerous times, he, he's, he's mentioned that even if that right side is shaved, you don't have a whole lot of balls run down there because that area is just too that. soft. It, it, well, and it. honestly, it's not it's not a severe slope. Like, yes, it runs no, toward not. the water, but it's not like it's a 45-degree slope. It's just it's, a gradual it's slope toward the water. because even looking at it in person from, like, you know, 13 tee box or whatever, not 13 tee box where they're going to be playing next year, but where they were playing this yes. year, yes. I sat and I watched number 12, and I, you know, Mike 
Weir did it yesterday, or or um, who who Ro- else Rocco did, did it right? yesterday? Rocco too, did yeah. it yesterday. It it looks severe. It really does. And right. then I guess it's just not. And then the golf balls there. land, and they just kind of trickle down a few feet, and you chip up from the yeah. low well, area. Well, one thing, too, is that now that players are hitting it so much further, you know, one of the changes they made was try to push that bunker back. But also, too, with players coming in with shorter clubs, that right side isn't going to have as much of an impact because instead of hitting a, a five iron, you're hitting a nine and, iron, so it's going to land and, softer. And yep. one interesting thing is that the reason why they had to move that bunker forward and not just create a new tee is because they can't. They they did create a new tee about thirty yards farther back, um, but that's all the room they have. But they it's are back out to of the fence. Space. They, yeah. they would yes. have they would have to buy um, Harv or well, Lewis or road. whatever. Street. And they would have <laughs> yeah. to redirect the road. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. Which that's I not wouldn't. Happening. I wouldn't put past Southern Hills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Southern <laughs> Hills like is, something Augusta would do. Southern so. Hills is kind of its own town up here, so maybe they can negotiate with Tulsa on what to do with that road. But no, it was an A plus for the golf course, A plus for the championship, the PGA of America, Southern Hills. Next to Dorcas, Kerry Cosby, Russ Myers, just through the roof Brian uh, tournament this weekend America. absolutely oh, all, all of them all just the P- unbelievable all the PGA staff was phenomenal the hospitality here was was just second to none and, favorite part of the week boys and oh my oh, go ahead. sorry one, one thing just the last thing I want to say yeah, about I need to think about uh, that about Goosen's comments was that it was kind of funny because he kind of contradicted himself because severely sloped greens is more traditional and he said that some of the greens were too undulating but then he says that some of the fairways are too big and you know, so, not, it's, so it's like he, did he not understand that they actually soften like number eighteen and number four? A they bit? flattened a lot of greens out here. Yeah, they're not I, I mean, flat. They're not I mean, flat. They, they flattened. They, yeah. they, they didn't make any of the greens, as far as I know, more severe undulating. They, right. they tried like, to so replicate. Like this is Perry Maxwell. Prairie Dunes is Perry Maxwell, and I think Prairie Dunes has more severe greens than oh, they yeah. have here at Southern. But and I mean, faster. Southern's greens. But Southern's greens are just so they're so positional. I mean, they yeah. are so positional with where where you hit the ball. Like T Dub said yesterday, you can hit the middle of the greens and still have a. I mean, honestly, a better chance of making bogey than par. That's what Stricker did on two. I mean, he just hit it to a fat part of the green and he three putted. One more change I really like is on holes like um, number eighteen and number seventeen. They actually made the slopes and the fairways more severe, so the ball will actually roll all the way down to the flatter area instead of you know striping a tee shot right down the middle then you have a hanging lie hitting up to the green on 18 that's like hitting up five stories yeah it's almost like like now that's instead of it being just kind of that gradual slope it's almost like a cliff yeah it's like it's kind of like two-tiered almost and i i i completely agree with that change too because you know some holes you want to have you know give a test have an uneven lie out there but i mean on 18 the way it used to be you were off of a down slope ball below your feet um hitting uphill normally into a 15 to 20 mile an hour uphill by the way if all you've seen is pictures it does not do the incline on number 18 and number nine my legs know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's what, club and a half with no wind uphill? Oh, it might be two clubs uphill, man. It's got to be 50 feet uphill. I, Maybe I, more. It may be two clubs, but you and don't. you can't miss short. And you can't miss long either. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. The, even the Steve, Steve Stricker said it after his round yesterday. Sometimes there's not somewhere to miss on this golf course, and you just have to step up and hit the shot. And the example he used was 18. There's not a good place to miss. You just have to step up and hit the shot. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you, Sam. I, I think 18 is a better hole now because and it's it's better to come in from that flat flatter area because you because because cause the green is still severely sloped, which is kind of the and it's um, still a hard shot. And, and it's not like it's an easy shot. No, just, statistically, you're off a flat line. St- statistically, this week, uh, one, two, um, 
that surprised me. First of all, uh, that one played. I'm really number, shocked by that. Number, well, two days of North Wind. Two I days helped. that that helped, but also that green is underrated. It now, is now yeah, back number to one, number two, number sixteen, and number eighteen were the hardest holes this week. I yeah. just I just would have thought that maybe one of the par threes. Would, I just don't. I mean, I, I just think there's harder holes out here than one. That, though. Yeah, but they now, moved the par threes up the par a couple of days. Up, yeah, they did. That's yeah, true. I mean, I, I mean, six was playing up a like couple we were of days. Talking so with was fourteen. Like we were talking with my dad, Craig Humphreys, yesterday. He was talking about that. T box on number eight, they can get it to like two sixty. Oh, dude, yeah. they can back uh, that hole oh, so far. There's up. so many T box. I mean, eighteen we talked about can go back. Um, obviously, thirteen you're having to hit over greens. Let, let's um, put it this way: they Alex can move Chaco, seven. Ba- uh, Alex back. Chaco will play a very different golf course a year from he now. He laughed about it today. He did. <laughs> he did. Again, <laughs> stick around at the end of the show because we've got the full twenty minutes from Alex Chaco, and he was phenomenal. And you know, just just one of the the last things I, I want to point out is that you know, looking back on on seventeen, one thing that we saw a lot because it's drivable is. Not only did you have to deal with with pace of play because you know normally when the group in front got on the green they would mark their balls and then the other group would hit up. But you also have the problem of eighteen tee box being directly right beside it. So then you have people waiting on them to tee off. Then you have to wait on the people to hit in. And so I noticed that coming down the stretch that uh, you know it kind of you know that was kind of a hindrance if you want to pick one for slow play. But when you're dealing with a classic Perry Maxwell course, you're going to have greens by tee boxes, and so that's just something you can't avoid. And I'm, I think that, like you said, if, if I'm just trying to nitpick here just because, like I said, there's 99.99999% positive here. So I'm just pointing out the one to two things that I thought may could have been improved. So I'll, I'll go ahead and start with my favorites, favorite parts of the week. Yeah, I'm still thinking. And, it's and so hard, to t- number, hard to choose. I have three. You know, so number one is that Southern Hills and the PGA of America are a perfect match made in heaven because they both do things first class like absolutely first class and so they made our week easy um but I loved um just from my experience being able you know to kind of shoot the breeze with these players like even before their interviews or kind of hear some uh you know conversations that we don't normally get to hear and then my third you know thing that I loved about this week you know is the fact that we had the rare occasion of us being able to do a little bit of live coverage and being allowed to do it this is probably the only time we're ever allowed to do a little bit of live tweeting because it wasn't on pga tour live like it for a for a uh, pga tour event yeah. or you know we were able to do what we did at big 12s and i thought that that was really cool this weekend well, you know, you know, kind of like you mentioned, um, you know, whenever we went up and did the Prairie Dunes, you know, we're just a couple of idiots with iPhones. You know, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not some <laughs> big camera crew or anything like that. We're just out there spectating golf and having a good time. And so, and, and one thing I was going to mention off your second point, Sam, about, you know, having some interaction with players. I won't mention the name just because it, it was off air, but I mean, we have players looking for beer coolers after the round, you know, and, yeah. they, and they were talking to us about that. I thought that that was really cool and awesome. Um, you like even I said, brought up a cocktail cooler next time. Yeah, cocktail, and, and, and he, he was a fan of that as well. So I think that... Uh, <laughs> I think these guys are extremely generous. I don't think um, he'd be mad if we said his name, Petro Golf. Did he find a beer cooler? That's what I want to know. He said he was he, going. He said he was going to find one. So. He did. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. Uh, I would need one too if I had just gotten done playing Southern Hills. I think my favorite part of the week, if I were to just pick one, man, I think Saturday to me was probably the most fun. I, I don't know why it was just the galleries were huge on Saturday and Sunday. You know, there wasn't a ton of drama late. You know, if there had been drama late, it probably would have been Sunday. But Saturday, uh, my family was out here, so I walked in with my parents. I was kind of their tour guide at Southern Hills. It was their first time ever out here on property. I got to show them all around the course. Uh, you know, stand in the right spot. See balls coming in. Stricker was making his run. He held out the bunker shot on 16. Chaco was playing great. Weir had uh, the back 940. It was just a 
drama-packed Saturday afternoon, and there were so many people out here. It was just, it really set up uh, a great Sunday, and then Alex Shaker took off with it, and shout out to him, because the golf that he played today was just unbelievable, but Saturday was awesome, but I mean, really, the whole week was just a blast. There's There was not a single day this week where I left Southern Hills, and I thought, yeah, that just that just was a so-so day. Every day was just phenomenal. Now, anytime we get to step foot on this property, boys, it's a complete honor, and my, my soul just fills with happiness, and, and so I did, to close up my favorite things were obviously I was anytime you hear that a great golf course this, this is the my favorite golf course I've ever played Southern Hills when I heard it was getting redesigned you know the first you restored don't, you, restoration yeah, re- restoration yes yeah whatever the term is and so you think to yourself oh are they gonna mess things up because that's how we all think you think negatively as opposed to positively but I think for the most part 95% of the changes were phenomenal and my favorite part guys was that you know I hadn't been to a golf tournament before you know for all, all four rounds, let alone practice rounds, right. too. So, for me, it was cool. You know, if we would have had, like, the same wind and same conditions every day, it would have been a little different. But we saw essentially four different golf courses in, really in four did, yeah. rounds. And I thought it was so cool to see Southern Hills play so many different ways. And that it, it really just made my heart warm because it shows the true genius that Perry Maxwell had. You're, you're exactly right, T-Dub. And, and, you know, today they got a little fortunate that the wind did die down a little bit. It was I mean, so nice today. It was perfect. It was 70 golf and sunny weather. with about an 8-mile-an-hour wind. Yeah, it, it really wasn't even a club wind on a lot of occasions. It was which half club most of the time. Which how often does that happen in Oklahoma? Perfect golf weather and – my other favorite part of the week was being able to hear both of y'all sing karaoke last night. That was pretty Oh, man, we well. had entirely too much fun on a Saturday night in Tulsa. <laughs> entirely too much fun. Who was the best karaoke singer, by the way? I Colby. Don't, Colby I don't has to take it because they got his song wrong and he improvised. They did. I was I, So I put in for friends in low places and they gave me Good Ride Cowboy. I just ran with it. I mean, it was a good Just ride, Cowboy. It. it was a good ride, Cowboy. So why don't we do this, guys? Why don't we take a break? Let's come back on the other side. A lot more in the game we'll of talk golf. Talk about the Cowboys. We'll talk about the Cowboys. Yep, we'll talk yep. about the local guys in the field this week. We'll talk about the Oklahoma State guys down in Greyhawk. Uh, we'll talk about PGA Tour U. And there was a PGA Tour event this week. There was a PGA Tour event this week. That concluded just a little while ago, so we still have uh, a lot to get to on the other side. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today.
Welcome back. Wrapping up a great week here at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa. This is 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. You can listen to our podcast right there on the front page and check out all of the great content that Ken McLeod and the crew sent out from this week at Southern Hills. Uh, fellas, just a couple more thoughts. Sam, you said you had to meet Justin Leonard this morning on the range. I did get to meet Justin Leonard on the range. And I was just sitting there uh, watching, you know, Mike Weir and uh, Stricker and Scott Verplank was actually warming up because he was going off 10 at the same time around the leaders were and uh and justin leonard i just he was just standing by himself right next to me and i go hey i just want to introduce myself i love love live from i love your coverage um and then we just got to talking he was a super nice guy he said he really enjoys uh the booth and i just said you make my job a lot easier during uh majors weeks because uh you guys have all the stats that uh i could ever want for my show you know and so uh and he and he laughed and he goes yeah i i, I can't believe uh brandel's computers haven't burnt up yet with all those stats you know and so he started brandles on it <laughs> yeah he started laughing about that you know so he 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 is an awesome guy and then scott verplank walked by and he sees me talking to justin leonard and he goes oh yeah sam hanging out with the big wigs over there huh you know <laughs> i was like good luck scott you know so scott has been nothing but nice to us he, he's the best uh but yeah justin leonard i just wanted to share that little cool story yeah and by the way scott verplank finished uh 14 over t63 saturday 78 got him but uh it was cool for him to be in this field willie wood finished at one, uh, pardon me, that's Woody Austin at one over par. I command F to, I command F to Wood and got Woody Austin. <laughs> Willie Wood finished T34 at eight over. Very, very, very respectable finish uh, from Willie Wood. And then Brant Job finished at eight over par, T34 as well. So uh, All of good, them made the cut. All of them made the cut. Good stuff from the Oak Tree gang. And you know, the one thing I'll say is, and if, if this doesn't prove that Southern Hills is a phenomenal golf course, I don't know what will. Alex Chaco was the only player in the field to, to have all four rounds not um, over par. And wow. he even had a 70 in there. So there was not one player in the field who shot under par every round. It's a good separator. And so, I mean, that, that goes to show that this course is the ultimate championship golf course. It, it, it just plays phenomenally. And that was something scrolling through the leaderboard I, I noticed, and I thought that that was really telling at how at how well the course was not only set up this week, but how well it's designed. Yeah, and seven players finished under par for the week. Seven. And six of them shot under par today. The only player to finish under par for the week who was over par even today was Mike Weir. Shot two over today, finished T5 at one under par. So just yeah, a phenomenal event here. Who, who would have thought Stricker wouldn't have been one of those guys under par? Who would have thought that Stricker That's wouldn't crazy. have been? Uh, he ends up in T11 with Woody Austin and Stephen Leaney. So just oh, a great oh, tournament. Oh, boys. Cool guy of the week. Cool guy of the week. Who is it? <sighs> man, it I was, was definitely <laughs> Rocco on Friday. The 78 hurt. I was going to say, man, our, and this was something that we didn't talk about a whole lot. The mechanic our, made a little run today. He did, and then he goes dub-dub, 15-16, kind of shoots after, himself. After he eagled 13, he threw it in there to like two feet on yeah. 13. So he birdies 12, eagles 13. His shoe goes, game was elite today. Double-double on 15-16 is brutal. His shoe and cigar game is – the shoe game is second to none. Him and Rocco may have a competition on the cigar game. But, I mean, just, just the amount of swag that was out there. But you know what, guys? Even if we're just going to take the play out of it, I'm giving cool man of the week Darren Clark. He's my, Darren he's, Clark. Okay. Darren like Clark's it. cool. I'm going Darren. He's the man. I mean, he's got he, he's rock, he's rocking the gut, and you know, Tyra calls him double F. You know, if you know, you know. It's one of those things. Watch the Faraday if you want to hey, know what that means. Hey, so. I mean, I, when he walked up that hill, I'll never forget him going that. Connor McGregor Hill after 18, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I got to stick to my guns. I Rocco's so Rocco's too cool, man. Rocco's too cool. I can't believe y'all didn't get this one. This one's easy for me. Alex Chaka. Alex Chaka was had, awesome, but like yeah, no. cool guy is like 
you know, just the, the totally under the radar. Okay. Like, and I didn't want to. Well, be, then I'm going Rocco. And then I don't want to be cliche and pick the winner. You know, that's I, so I know. I was, but I was he, to be slightly but, contrarian. But it, was, it was sneaky, surprising how cool of a guy Alex Chaco was. I didn't know anything about him. Yeah, per, we knew nothing like, about Alex Chaco coming person, into the week. Well, about his and personality. I'm leaving or Southern anything. Hills. I'm leaving Southern Hills tonight. Like. Dude, Alex Chaik is awesome, and I hope he wins two more majors <laughs> well, this year. What if he won all four or five awesome. or however but many they have? Slam, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not like he was just super happy. I mean, obviously he's happy because he's won, but that's not the only reason. He was happy to us yesterday, uh, Sam, when we were up there interviewing him, and mm-hmm. he was just in contention for the tournament. He was super nice and courteous, and obviously uh, we like him because he got back to us on, on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all big Alex Chaik fans yeah. moving forward. And like you said, guys, I think it would be super cool. He's two for two on the senior majors, and he plays like he did today. I mean, that's not slowing down. Yeah, yeah we, Rocco, uh, Rocco's probably mine. Yeah, so we got two Roccos and a Darren Clark. I like no, it. And, and the minute, I mean, the mechanic, we got to give a shout honorable out. Honorable I mean, mention. He's the only guy on the planet that can pull off a man bun. That's all around honorable mention for Miguel Angel Jimenez. Yeah. Has to be. Uh, so we're all big fans of Alex Chaco. We're all big, also big fans of college golf. And there's some mm-hmm. great college golf being played at Greyhawk. Uh, and the best college golf at Greyhawk is being played by Oklahoma State, who over the last two months have, have really been the best team in the country. They've mm-hmm. won their last four tournaments, and they are 13 clear of the field through three rounds uh, at Greyhawk. Oklahoma sits in second at one over. Oklahoma State 12 under, by the way. And then it goes Oklahoma, Arizona State, Illinois, Florida State rounds out your top five. They're still on the course, uh, but gentlemen, Texas is way, way gone. They're still on the course, but they have no chance to make the top 15, so the Horns will be headed home. Uh, Texas Tech looks like is going to be in the top 15, so they'll have a chance to sneak their way into the top eight, but that's pretty much it for the Big 12. TCU uh, looks like he's going to miss it, barring a couple of late birdies. So it looks like it's going to be Oklahoma State and Oklahoma in first and second, and then Texas Tech uh, in T13 right there with Arkansas. Our man Tyson yep. Reader is going to play tomorrow. Yeah, obviously. I- I'm just going to cover uh, this tournament for a second, and then we'll make PGA Tour U its own little segment after yeah, this because I want to talk about we it. Yeah, one, so, I mean, seriously. But, but, go but, ahead, Sam. So. But <laughs> let me uh, let me get, get into this real quick. Bo Jen obviously playing phenomenal golf, probably the hottest guy on tour, you know, the past, I mean, on uh, – in the college golf, circuit, whatever, yeah, whatever you want to call it. The hottest guy. The collegiate yeah, tour, sure. <laughs> in college, you know, the the past however many weeks, you know, ever since OSU got on this run. Uh, huge shout-out to Austin Eckrow, you know, tied for 12th after the opening round 74, where even, you know, it was really the opening nine uh, that got him that first day uh, and then followed that up with a nice 69 and then a 67 today. And then, you know, he still has a chance to finish top 10 uh, individually in this tournament. Has a really good chance, actually, you know. And then... Uh, going to Quade Cummins, who is tied for third individually, 69, 68, 68. Just awesome play by Quade. Uh, looks like he's found the putter a little bit after the past few weeks. He wasn't putting his best uh, before and, and this week. Just for reference, we didn't give out Bo Jin's score. Quaid is four back of Bo Jin, who leads as an individual at nine under. Uh, Oklahoma State's Bo Jin. And then Turk Pettit from Clemson shot a 68 today, and Parker Gillum from Wake Forest shot a 64 today. So uh, Turk Pettit's at seven under, two back of Jin, and then uh, Parker Gillum is four back of Jin as well, sitting there with Quaid Cummins at five under. Yeah, and then I just wanted to finish out uh, OU real quick because Jonathan Brightwell uh, – also playing really well, tied for fifth, uh, 68, 69, 69. Uh, one shot back of Quake Cummins, who is in third. Uh, and then, you know, OU's going to have to get some play from their uh, bottom two guys here. And I would would not be surprised uh, to see OU uh, go to the bench here I, for Patrick Welch. I mean, if I'm the coach, I'm looking at Garrett Reband right now in 128th place. 76, even though he's, 75, 75 look, look, for I, Reband. I get that he's the one man. 
But 76, 75, 75, that worries me as a coach. And then Ben Loren shooting 77 uh, in this round worries me as a coach as well. So I would not be surprised to see OU, maybe not tomorrow because they're already in, but maybe for match play, uh, we might see a little bit of a uh, switch for OU because you can't rely on four guys in match play. You need to have all five. Um, and then going down my, my, uh, my surprises of this tournament so far, Pepperdine, they're not in the top eight right now. They're, they're in ninth. They're on the outside looking in. So is Clemson. Sam Houston had a bad day today uh, after, um, you know, they're, they really had a bad uh, last two rounds after they came out hot uh, in the first day. And then, like you said, Arkansas, Tyson Reeder, 72-73-70 70, uh, is in tied for 36th place. Uh, and then Texas Tech, Ludwig Aberg, you know, came back today with a 69, but Texas Tech shot themselves out of the tournament and, you know, the second round shooting a 304. I mean, that, My just, word. that was just absolutely uh, shocking to it, me. It was tied for the worst round in the entire field with Little Rock. Little Rock is the only other school that shot 304 in the first round. That was, that was, the sho- second round. That was shocking to me, And but they still have a chance to make it. I mean, that, what, are, what are they? 268. What is uh, tied for sixth right now is... They're 15 back. 15. I mean, that's doable, but they're really on the outside looking in. If I had to bank on it tomorrow, I would say that Pepperdine would hop North Carolina... And then I think you're you're set there. I, I like uh, Wake Forest, Vanderbilt. Uh, the team that I see getting in and is Pepperdine, and the team that I see moving out is uh, North Carolina. Florida State, obviously, with a great round today of 274. Yes. Four rounds in the 60s. Yeah, so you, you look at the uh, – I'll go to the team scores, and I'll bring up an individual point here in a second. So you got OSU, who's the only team under par at minus 12. They're, they're a shoe-in to win. OU – OU, Arizona State, and Illinois are the only other three schools that are better than five over. So I think that I think that they'll have a, a good chance to go on. But you know, we look we look at this the stretch here, guys. You know, we the top fifteen teams will advance right now. Um, T uh, fifteen, we we have a T a tie at T uh, fifteen. We have uh, TCU and Georgia currently at thirty one over, and then uh, there's four teams right below them, guys, that are at thirty two over. And then we have another team. At with the group still on the golf course. With group still right. on the golf course and then you know we'll um just uh, one second sam you know one thing i want to mention here is that you know we're looking at the top eight and you know florida state's there at nine over there in fifth from sixth to 11 it you're anywhere between 13 and 18 over and so there's only five shots between being sixth and being 11th. That's a good so point. So I think that, I mean, tomorrow is going to be one great day to watch golf because – And uh, it'll finally be on TV tomorrow, uh, too. Thank God. Finally. On Memorial Day. So everybody turn your TVs on on uh, Memorial Day. Um, just, I mean, Oklahoma State, they run away with the stroke play in 2019. Matt Wolf wins as an individual. Guys, this year, again, they are running away hey. with the stroke play portion and Bo Jen's leading as an individual. I mean, Oklahoma State's put, putting together just an impressive season you know at the midway point this spring it didn't look like they were the best team in the country mm-hmm. but this is now I mean they've won four events in a row and they're dominating stroke play I mean they've clearly established themselves as the team to beat going into match play yeah, I, I totally agree with you uh, I'm a little surprised about how every single week I kind of wait for OSU to kind of fall off again you know to 
more, uh, you know, average, you know. No, more, not even average, but, not like, average but, but like a top five in team in the country yeah. instead of a team that's running it everybody over. the best team. The thing that I'm going to be rooting for tomorrow as an OU and an OSU fan, I'm going to be both tomorrow because I want them to finish 1-2 because I do not want them to be on the same side as the bra- of the bracket because I want to see them meet in the finals. Uh, I mean, if they are on the same side of the bracket, we will have a better chance of them uh, meeting each other. However, I think a Bedlam National Championship, we've been talking about it, I think that would be absolutely electric. Bedlam Semis just doesn't have the same, like, I mean, obviously it would be it would be awesome. It'd be unbelievable. Yeah. But Bedlam National title, I mean, can you imagine if the first four matches split two and two and we got the five the five bags walking up 18 fairway all square trying to win a national championship? Uh, it would be un- unbelievable. Let's, uh, you ready to go to PGA Tour U? Yeah, the one thing I was going to mention, you know, to if we want to be on the opposite side, I think OSU is going to be um, number one seed. I think that's pretty clear. Um, but even, even if OU falls down to the three seed, they'll still be on the opposite side of the bracket. They still will and, be, and, but, and, but they're only three shots clear of who's in fourth right now. Yeah, and, and so if they're fourth or fifth, they'll be on the same side of the bracket. But if they're It'd be in the semis, but if they're two, three, or six, six or, or seven, seven, seven yeah. then they will be on the opposite side. And this will lead us into PGA Tour U. I'm just a little bit, little bit surprised at SMU and McClure Meisner. Uh, you know, 72, 73, and then four over through 17 on his round today, nine over total. Uh, they have three guys tied for 71st, one guy tied for 63rd, and another, like, off the planet. So, you know, I, I don't I, – I, I thought the SMU would have a better tournament. And, and by the way, could have a fourth Big 12 team make the top 15 and get to play tomorrow. TCU's made a late birdie. They're now on a three-way tie for 15th, so could have a fourth Big 12 team. One thing you mentioned earlier, Colby, that I wasn't aware of, this would be Bo Jen's first tournament win as a collegiate I'm, player. I'm fairly certain Bo Jen has not won yet. Like, if, if that's wrong and, and somebody – and I missed it, then somebody let me know. But I don't think he's won yet as an individual. He was so it's, close to the like Big 12s. It's like Ekro talked about ever since he got that girlfriend. He's been playing some better golf. I know. I, I really I don't think he's won a tournament yet. If he has, I apologize and somebody let me know. But to win a national title for your first individual win would be unbelievable. The pressure that he's going to sleep with tonight is just going to be uh, insurmountable. But we'll, we'll see what he does tomorrow at Greyhawk. All right, PGA Tour U, we've got to discuss this because we come into the week and we, we're talking about all the drama with PGA Tour U. Quaid coming to six. Garrett Reban is five. Kenny Hoppin. What's going on with the points? We're not exactly sure. Well, we figured it out today. Basically, they didn't publicize this before today because we had to ask. Yeah, I mean, it, it basically they led they us probably to told believe. The players, but I'm they sure didn't they make did, it. but we were led to believe that there was still drama, and we talked about it yesterday. The scenario for Quaid to leap Reband would have been him winning the tournament and Reband finishing 139th or worse. But the problem is, only 15 teams make it to Monday, and if you play the first 54 holes, then you are automatically awarded the points as if you finished last of the teams that made it. So between the teams that make it and the end of Individuals, there will be 84 players teeing it up tomorrow at Greyhawk. So since Garrett Reban played the first three rounds, regardless, he could finish 84th and Quaid could win. Doesn't matter. Garrett Reban still gets the points for 84th. So, I mean, the final five spots are locked in and pretty much were coming into the week. So the drama was just contrived. There, well, there was tell, no drama. Tell people what they – I'll tell them. You know, Quaid is tied for third right now. And Reband is tied for 128th for most of the day. He was actually outside of that 138 number. And then then more players got on the course and started making more bogeys. He moved up to 128. But but my point is, so I hate this rule because all of a sudden, you know, Reband gets credit for an 84th place finish in this scenario where – you know, right now he's tied for 128th and he might shoot 63 tomorrow and, and jump up a bunch of spots and it doesn't matter. But 
And, and Quaid would have to make up a four-shot deficit and win the tournament, too. Correct. No, but, no, no. Hold on, hold on. And then, and then, but my point is, Reband gets a free pass on, like, 40 places. He's jumping up four, at least 44 spots just by his team qualifying to get into the top 15. But if 15, he was an individual, he would not have qualified. My, my only question is... He would is, not have made the cut. My only question is, or how, do you, played bad. how do you handle... Right. How do you handle placing Reband as an individual when his team makes it? Because I agree that it's weird that he gets to jump up all those places, but I don't know what the alternative is because if you're comparing a guy who played four rounds to guys who played three rounds, I just, like, it, it's it's weird, but I, I don't have a, a quick fix off the top of my head. I got so one. What, give it to what me. What is it? Every, every team plays four rounds. Why do what, what's what's so why different? Do, yeah, why so, do you need to cut? Yeah, you, you cut after it's three rounds. Question. I mean, if you, if I mean, you, that's a simple fix. I mean, that's that's <laughs> the simplest one I can think of. Just have everyone play, keep maybe, playing. Maybe I was overthinking it in terms of how to compare three round guys to four round guys. Just have everybody play four rounds. I don't have a problem with. I that. I don't understand this whole thing, you know. And they even tweeted it out last night, which which confuses me a little bit of why they thought that you know there was still a chance because. PGA Tour U, you guys can go back and look. Last night they said, Quade Cummins, with a big picture of Quade Cummins, it said he can still uh, get into the top five if he wins and Reban finishes 138th or worse. And so, like, but no, he couldn't have because if OU makes it, makes the cut, then he's right. automatically 84th, if, even if he's DFL. Yeah, yes. the, the only way that could happen, OU would have had to have a horrible week, and Quaid would have been playing well be one, and have been one of those individuals who got to come back tomorrow. And we're not even talking about the cut for match play. We're, no, just, we're just talking, talking about, about the top there's, 15. A, there's a cut after three rounds before match play. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know, maybe they just do that for TV so that they can build the drama on trying to get in the top eight the last day, but I really think that this is something that they're going to have to look at. And look, PGA Tour is brand new, so we are all learning as we go, and I think that that includes PGA Tour U. They're learning as they go. It's new, and I think what we're seeing this week is that the system's kind of wonky because it, it doesn't give a guy the opportunity to move up. And look, it's a two-year system of ranking points and Garrett Reband look it, it's not like this is being given to him he's no. earned it over the last two years but it is still weird how it played it, out it this reminds week. me a little bit of the FedEx Cup when it first started that is good and you know I think that I just remember back guys it wasn't it was before even conference championships because we it was something that we would cover um every week they had that that they updated the rankings, and I remember one week, guys, Quaid dropped from like eight to twelfth, and Ekrot dropped from like th- or went from like sixth to third. I mean, I'm I'm probably a little wrong on my numbers here, but my point being is that there was volatility just off of some random uh, college week. So how does the NCAA championship not have that amount of variance? It's just and because there was they're not like there's a huge discrepancy in the points. Yeah, I mean, I I can tell you there there kind of is. It's not that crazy, but Reband was 83 points ahead of Quaid coming into the week, whereas Quaid is only eight points ahead of seventh, and Quaid is only, uh, let's see, 34 points ahead of eighth, and Quaid is only 39 points ahead of ninth. He's, you know, so you'd have to go down. The gap between Garrett Reband and Quaid Cummins at from five to six is probably about the same as the gap between Quaid Cummins at six and, like, I mean, we'd have to go down to uh, almost like 13 or 14. So I think that we didn't give enough credit as as to how big the gap was between Reband and Cummins because all year it was so tight, uh, kind of in the 6 to 15 range, but 5 to 6, I mean, that's a, 83 points is a big well, drop What I off. don't understand is how guys can drop three spots in a normal tournament and 
I thought it all had to do I, with who you're beating. I mean, and if if Quaid's beating everyone else that's in the PGA Tour U rankings, I don't understand, you know, how he can't jump up one spot, especially when the guy Garrett Reband that he's playing against is 128th place. I mean, and you talk about 80-something points. Um, you know, John Pack to uh, Davis Thompson from one to two is – 160 or 150 something points difference. So I mean that's over half. And I know we talked about he had a big lead. Uh, Davis Thompson has a what a 47 point lead. It looks like over Eckrode in third. And there was what 16 points there. So there was a little bit of closeness between um, three and five. But I mean let's put it this way: Davis Thompson in two and Garrett Reband in five are closer together than Reband and Quaid are. So it's just and and again that's why it's kind of a catch 22 because it is a, a whole two year sample size. But then we get to the biggest event of the year and you, you know there's this one impossible scenario where a guy can jump from six to five and maybe that's how they want it or maybe they tweak it in the future to create more drama at the national cha- championships well, and I, I think the biggest problem with it guys is we don't have like even because I completely agree with your point Sam about the FedEx Cup but at least in that scenario like like the year that VJ won we knew that as, all he had to do was finish the tour championship and play 72 holes and he was going to win the FedEx Cup and but but at least we knew that going in we don't have any point uh, list or anything like that to determine how how it's ranked. I want to say some good news for Quaid, though. If he does end up winning this tournament, he's going to get sponsors exemptions, pretty much any one that he wants, being the individual national champion. Yeah, so I mean, Quaid's going to have opportunities how, to how, play. Well, that's what uh, he just won't have Corn Ferry. That's what Matt membership. Wolf did. He got he got sponsors exemptions at the start after he won the uh, national championship. Winning this tournament's a big deal. It's a very big deal it's, to win I mean, this it's tournament. the biggest deal in college golf yes. and one of the biggest deals in amateur golf. Yeah. And, you and know, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, one thing you might see, because since this is kind of the first deal in the PGA Tour, you you know, we kind of talk about it with, with like, uh, the, the Ryder Cup standings of, oh, if you don't pick the guy, like, Stricker has six captain's picks this year. Like, if you, we want to pick the guy in seventh. Go ahead, Sam. Uh, sorry, I just got a text uh, from our boss, Kim McLeod, that just said, did you notice that Arkansas subbed in Mason today and he helped uh, – and he and Tyson Reeder both helped them make the cut. I, I did see they inserted Mason. In all honesty, I, I, I thought he had graduated already. So that I, is, I, I do what they like shot today. Mason he, Overstreet shot 73, which was a score that counted, and Tyson Reeder had the low score on the team at 70. Yeah, and I mean, just uh, you know, he finished he finished runner up at nationals as a freshman to uh, Braden Thornberry at uh, whatever was that the year that OU won the national title. Uh, that or was that the year after or before? Braden Thornberry won. What was the drivable hole? Where was that at? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to look it up. We'll, we'll have it. But I think um, it might have been. You know, and so and my point being, oh, you won in uh, at uh, in, in Chicago. Yes, yes, and at so whatever course. That, what what course was that at? In uh, Chicago. I, I'm, I'm about to have it pulled up right yeah. in front of me. Um, but my point being was that, you know, we talk about sponsors exemptions, and, you know, with the PJ Tour U being fairly new, you might see something along the lines of, you know, because top one through five get that, that Corn Ferry status. Well, maybe the guys in sixth and seventh might be able to get some sponsors exemptions because of that Or what if you just give them conditional status? I, well, that's um, – I think they should have at least a couple starts. I mean, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And so, but, you know, like Quaid alluded to us, you know, he was in a really no-lose situation because he had already qualified for the for there, the form tour. He says that, but there's still a big difference between uh, Canada and Corn Ferry. It's, yes. it's, it's monumental I mean, how it's big a of a level. difference that is. But he was just alluding to the fact of if he 
and actually, I should say, if he finished outside of 15th is kind of where he would have been safe because yeah. he didn't matter there because so this is all the same. So well, he was chasing yeah, six for that. Six to 15th is Canada for people that – I'm just clarifying that. Yeah. that. Six to 15 is Canada, and it didn't matter to him whether he was sixth or 100th. Yeah, which is now called the Form Tour. And I guess uh, they um, are the new sponsors. Yeah, because he had already qualified when he thought he was going to turn pro yes. this year. And then COVID happened. Yeah. And, and everything went wonky. So, anyway, a lot, a lot of stuff going on at Greyhawk, but tomorrow afternoon should be exhilarating uh, watching teams fight for the eighth position and the right to play Oklahoma State in the first round. Uh, we've got Ewing and Popov going on in the, one up. the women's match play. Ewing's one up through, I think it's at eight holes right there. And uh, I'm curious what y'all think. Sean uh, Sean Fang was supposed to play in the consolation match, but they're playing it's in California, I believe, and uh, it's like 105 degrees out there. The U.S. Women's Open starts on Thursday. They played eight holes this morning, and Fang uh, conceded her consolation match, so the other girl gets third place. She takes fourth, so she takes fourth place money. She takes fourth place points, and she said, look, uh, I want to be well-rested and ready to go for the U.S. Open. I think it's an incredibly smart move. The consolation match is super silly to me anyway. Uh, you lost. You're out of the tournament. It's really just made for TV, so I have no problem with her saying, no, I'm not going to go walk another 18 in this heat and you know wear myself down before the U.S. Women's Open. 100%. I I completely agree, and you know from the, from the fact of you know if she um, you know went out and played, it ended up didn't playing the match. The only difference is third and fourth money and points. So if that's something that's not important to her, then there's no reason to go out and play because essentially the only reason they have consolation matches is if the big match gets you know, done eight and seven and they need to, you know, cover some more golf. And so I have no problem with it at all. And if they would have threw a fit, um, I was bringing this up off the air. I said, if they would have thrown a fit and said, well, we're not going to pay you because you didn't play your match. I would have just walked down every tee box and said, Hey, you're good. Good. You know, you made hole in one here. Good job. You know, then yeah. you, she would done whoever, her, whoever she was supposed to play would have made 10 hole in one. She would have won 10 <laughs> so, and eight. So all in all kind of, kind of funny, kind of soft. I mean, it's kind of soft. Just play your match. No, completely no, disagree. Major, I would have left. Major, cha- I, I, major championships are way more important. 100% I agree with I, that. I, I agree with that. But I mean, how often is do you have the spotlight on you <clears throat> on the LPGA tour? In, in prime time, I mean, we're watching it right now on the Golf Channel. It would, they I mean, would have had a consolation match going on right now. I think it's a bad PR. I think it's a bad PR move for that girl. I think it's. I think it's dumb that they have a consolation match, even on the men's side. I've always the, the WGC. I think the consolation match is stupid. It, that is stupid because they play so much golf throughout the week. The same thing with and, the women. This uh, yeah, week. I like, agree. And why? But, why I mean, are we playing for third? And I do understand. I mean, it's at Olympic Club. Why not get up to Olympic Club a little earlier? It's Super sweet. And, you know, I think the only way we'll know if this was a good decision or not is by the results next week, if she plays well or not. I mean, if she goes out and misses the cut, then doesn't look like she put in the right work and maybe not have been the right decision. But yeah, in all I honesty, know. I don't I, – I have no problem with it at all because literally the consolation match is for TV only. So – and it, it, it goes back to kind and of – And money and points, but if you don't need the money and points, then – Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to a kind of similar point of what we were talking about the other day of, like, if you get rained out and you have three holes to come back in the morning on a, on a second round and you – you know you're going to miss the cut. Um, you know, do you, do you withdraw? And you know, it, it's fairly soft. I admit that, but at the same time, there's no point in it. And so, you know, if she doesn't, like I said, if she doesn't need the points or the money, and at the end of the day, all the greatest golfers in the world all say that they play for major championships, and that's what it's all about. So. Yep, absolutely. And uh, by the way, I said that they were on the eighth hole. They're actually on the twelfth hole. I turned around and caught a wrong glance. So Ewing is one up over Popov through eleven. Gentlemen, there was a PGA Tour event this week, and Jason Kokrak got the better 
pair of Jordan Speed. I mean, the women are playing match play. It was basically match play today on the PGA Tour. It was 94%, 96% chance that either Kokrak or Spieth would win it, according to Datagoff. 4% for everyone else, and that went to about 0% after the first nine. It was just match play, and Kokrak got the better of him. He ends up winning by two with an even par 70. Yeah, I mean, strokes gained approach every week. I mean, he was, you know, almost gained a shot and a half, strokes gained approach. And I have to give a shout-out, our guy Vic Ramji, you know, who was with us during the TG interview. I mean, he said that his goat in Kentucky uh, in high school golf was Jason Kokrak. How about this? Jason Kokrak, ninth this week in strokes gained approach, seventh in strokes gained putting, first in strokes gained off the tee, first in strokes gained tee to green. Is that any good from Jason actually, Kokrak? No he, wonder he won. He actually uh, lost strokes around the green. Yeah, minus point. Yeah, minus point five. And here's the point about Spieth, guys. Uh, Spieth on the week gained 1.78 putting, so that's kind of the standard. But he he on the week he gained 0.47 approach to green. But final round today, guys, lost 2.29 approach to green. Yikes! I, I mean, that's he, a big. Yikes. He hit his irons horribly. He actually gained today 1.02 off the tee box, which is something that we never see from Spieth. And um, and today he just had horrible irons. He actually um, lost 0.4 putting and lost 0.6 around the green. So it's kind of it was like the exact opposite of what Spieth normally does. Yeah, the driver roll and nothing else was worth it. I feel like I feel like I mean I listened to y'all before I ever came on the podcast and y'all were kind of uh, on, on the tougher side with Jordan Spieth. Uh, now that he's playing good again, boys. That's fair. He was in the major, the biggest slump of his career, though. Yeah. To be fair. And, no, and when I came on, we were kind of rooting for Spieth to have a good you know comeback season. But now that Spieth has been playing well for a while. Is it is it time to get back on the uh, dog and speed train? I would say the, the the main reason that I dislike Spieth for any reason <laughs> it's, it's not even because that he's a Longhorn. It was because well, when that's he, part of it. When he, although well, there's certain Longhorn oh, real, players real that quick, I like. Before I forget, a correction from yesterday's show: Pearson Cootie did not get benched for Texas. Pearson Cootie got very sick. Very sick, and he did not play yesterday, and he did not play today. So I just want to make that correct. Yeah, yeah, it's, you, it's, you jogged my memory talking about Longhorn. Yeah, so he he, he got benched just not because of bad play. Because correct. Of, well, well, t- t- I mean, he t- didn't t- play t- poorly, t- but that's not why he wasn't out there. He wasn't well, out he there. Well, he shot seventy nine when he was out there. Right. So, I mean, he wasn't he out there bad, because of an illness. But it was he wasn't. Yeah. He's not just having a swing fault. He's right. he, he's sick. And so the main reason that I, that I dislike Spieth was that every time I turned on the golf channel after he had a good week, they'd show up a tiger graphic right next to him. And hopefully his little slump may approve to people. And who knows, Spieth might go out and win three straight majors at some point. We never know. He might win four. Who knows? And if that happens, then, then the talk will, will start coming. But as as long as I don't have to hear the Tiger comparisons with Spieth, I think I, I, I think I can actually somewhat root for Spieth, or at least not root against him. I'll say that. So here is uh, your stat of the day. Jason Kograg winning today makes Jordan Spieth now 10 for 20 in his PGA Tour, conver- uh, his PGA Tour career, converting 54 hole leads. Quick math off the top of my head, that's 50%, 10 for 20. Jay T, DJ, and Rory are all between 50 and 60% and converting 54-hole leads the last 10 years. The tour average the last 10 seasons when leading or co-leading after 54 holes is just 35%. Tiger in his career, 55 for 59 54 hole leads. <laughs> that's just that's of the day. Oh, that, is that, just, is just that is just. I mean, that's 55 for 59. That's actually math that I can't do off the top of my head. But it's 2021, so we've all got calculators in the palm of our hands. That's 93.2 percent for uh, the span of an entire career when leading after 54. <laughs> and, that, and, that includes co leads, and then and that includes 14 of them being major championships. Yeah, you know, exactly. and so and the only yeah. time that he lost uh, one of them was at Hazeltine in 2009. And so I mean, I, I think it's. Um, I'm 
that that Tiger stats don't believe. Go ahead. Sam. Hey, going down the list here. <laughs> I mean, Taylor Gooch, he was my best bet to finish uh, top 10, and he missed it by a shot. He missed it by a shot. He shot one over today, even would have gotten him there. Uh, I believe he finished like T14, and even would have had him at T8. So, uh, oh. by the way, TCU made a couple of bogeys. Does not look like they're going to make uh, the match play unless they, they come in strong. They're still or the just cut, a, just the, the cut. The, the cut, not the match play. I'm sorry, the top 15. Uh, right now, Texas Tech comfortably in, but right now it's Florida, NC State, uh, Tennessee, and TCU that are still on the course fighting it out so uh looks like it's going to be florida but you never know there's about three holes left uh, you know here's uh yeah no and like i said that's going to be super exciting to see who ends up finishing it out and who um and tomorrow's going to be the best day to watch and you know going back to the speed thing sam you brought it up to me and i, I looked it up here speed over the last six months is leading essentially all of golf and strokes game total mm-hmm. and so i want to ask you guys this question i went down and i counted there's nine players over the last six months who are averaging more than 1.75 five strokes gained John Rom and so just list off Rom is fourth over Go the ahead. last how long uh, six months well, that, probably spe- counts speeds, D- speeds honestly, is, that probably counts DJ out DJ is not in there yeah there's no, no there's a DJ's lot of names there. there's a lot of there's a lot of these nine that I that I don't think y'all will get Hideki Finau. Matsuyama Hideki is not one of them Finau. really uh, Finau is um, uh, looks like he's 13th so uh, nope. Xander Xander is 10th Xander's 10th Rory uh, Rory nope wow okay Morikawa Morikawa uh, nope no more Kokrak. Kokrak. Nope. What are we doing? Lee, swinging and missing. JT. Oh my goodness. JT. Nope. Rory. Oh my God. No, Rory was already said. Oh, I'll, Rory. I'll just read them. What's going on? Just list them. Yeah, I'm, I'm here all night. I'm surprised y'all didn't get this. Victor Hovland, number two. Oh, oh yeah. Two point oh two. The only other player this year to average more than two, or I'm sorry, over the last six months, Paul Casey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good, a good point. Th- what th- about Corey Connors? Corey Connors was ninth, one point seven. And here's some of the other. My name. mind's been on senior tour H- here, stuff. Here, right. Here's four. Alex Chaka. <laughs> <laughs> he gained strokes this week. John Daly. And so he, he, here's some of the other names: five through eight that you may or may not have got. Fifth, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Mister Skill. Yeah, never would have gotten there. Louis is has he's 1. played well. He's played well. Uh, cheeseburger, who's only played bad when I pick him. Same. Edward Sam picks Same. him, and the next one. <laughs> We've kind of thought he's been on a little bit of a slump, but and, and he's Woody's dark horse. It's going to be Webb Simpson. Oh, Webb. Oh. Webb Simpson's been steadily like Where's Cantlay on that list? Because he was 11th, up there. He, 11th, yeah. right below. He was uh, playing great in California. And and he's he only 11th. Fell off a cliff. And, J- yeah. and JT's uh, 12th in there. DeChambeau is 15th. Um, Joaquin Neiman's 14th. Abe Anser, who I had picked this week, is 16th. Brian Harmon's 17th. Morikawa's down in 18th. So yeah. just listening off some of those. Yeah, things. so uh, great stuff there. Great golf this week. I mean, Southern Hills. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Southern Hills, absolutely phenomenal at the PGA of America, Kim McLeod, uh, you know, Brian Carnes, everybody out here, Sadorkas, everybody. Um, Colby, tell the people what our schedule looks like next week yes. because it's going to be yep. a little different because of uh, not only this tournament, obviously we're doing our Monday show on Sunday night uh, right now, and then um, yeah, you tomorrow, know. tomorrow's Memorial Day, yeah. so we will not be doing a show tomorrow on Memorial Day. Um, and by the way, you know everybody have a, a great Memorial Day, uh, and thank you to all of those for for their sacrifices. Yeah, remember that why that we us. have Memorial Day. Um, and yeah. and so uh, tomorrow we will not have a show. Tuesday, Tuesday is the first day of match play for the NCAA championships at Greyhawks. So what we're going to do Tuesday, I'll kind of keep an eye on it. We'll probably record that afternoon, probably after the early wave and as the late wave gets going, uh, we'll probably record. And then depending on what's happening with OU and OSU, we're going to be fairly flexible as to when we record from that point moving forward. So uh, if, if, 
everything goes according to plan, we'll have a bunch of shows because we'll have a Bedlam National Championship. Uh, but just stay tuned, and we'll keep you updated on Twitter as well. Uh, and don't want to forget to remind everybody to go to the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Go see Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley, both avid golfers. Total complete spine care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley recently received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America. Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. All right, everybody, stick around for Alex Chaka. It's a long interview, but it is so, so good. You really, you, you almost feel like you get to know Alex Chaka in this interview. He's so happy. He's so grateful to be where he's at. He was just unbelievable this week at Southern Hills. And one last thing I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention uh, Sowards, the club pro, yeah. uh, who got uh, low club. Bob low Sowards. Club, Bob yep. Sowards, uh, you know, he got the low club pro this week. And T5, if I'm not and mistaken. It, and it, he gained enough money, and he said he's going to uh, pay for the first couple years of college for his daughter, who was graduating this week, and his daughter said, no, no, you stay, you go play. I don't care if you're at my graduation, you go finishes the low club pro and he did and that's going to pay for her college so that was a really cool story as that well. is such a cool story uh with bob sowards and yes he was t5 as a club pro this week t5 at one under par he was one of seven players in the entire field and he said he only plays par. on mondays that's unbelievable. It, that's just, unbelievable it just show golf is more than a game it literally can change lives seriously yeah. and, and, and it has yeah right absolutely and, and also another cool story justin thomas cut a check out of his own pocket to keep michael Vasaki, mm-hmm. who was the internet sensation going in his career so just great great stuff happening in the game of golf. We're so thrilled to be up here at Southern Hills this week. It was an awesome event. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the 73rd hole. Enjoy Alex Chaka coming up right here on the other side. And make sure you keep up with us on Twitter over the next couple of days uh, as we'll put out whenever we're going to be having shows and stuff like that as the NCAA National Championships take place at Greyhawk. We'll preview Memorial for you coming up this next week as well. So a lot of good stuff happening. Thanks, everybody. Again, Alex Chaka now coming up here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Welcome back one more time to the 2021 KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship here at Historic Southern Hills Country Club, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we are with the 2021 champion, Alex Cheka, three under par, 67 to wrap up the championship. He finishes eight under par and wins his second major in about three weeks. Alex, you've, you've met your new friend, Alfred. Um, What's it like to win the most historic and prestigious event in senior golf? Uh, you know, I have no words. It's incredible. Um, seeing and, and knowing all those names who are up there on the trophy and being finally um, on the trophy myself, it's a, it's a dream come true. It was a tough week. It's a beautiful golf course, historic golf course. Um, you know, Monday when I played for the first time here, I uh, walked those fairways and, and remember seeing this on TV in all those years. And it's, it, you know, I can't even describe how it feels to be here and, and, and touching the trophy. Uh, it's incredible. I'm just super blessed. I'm super happy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an incredible feeling right now. Nice to hear. Uh, let's start it off with TJ on your right. Alex, congratulations. Uh, describe the walk up 18, knowing it was pretty much in hand. 
Yes, it, it was, but I really wanted to finish it. I, I didn't want to celebrate too much. You know, I know it's, you know, you have three, four shots cushion in golf. Everything is possible. I wanted to really be calm till the ball is in the hole, till I sign my scorecard. Everything is right. I mean, there's been a lot of scenarios over all those years. So, uh, uh, but I was happy, you know, it's, uh, I'll tell you, I was pretty nervous, you know, the last four or five holes, it showed, you know, I, I had tough shots. I, I made a lot of great up and downs um, that saved me today. Um, but, you know, when the ball was finally in the hole, it was just incredible. And having my, my, my great friend Florian on the back and uh, sharing this with him, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, those up and downs on, what, 15, 16, and then a great chip on 17 for birdie as well, kind of. I mean, that's what separated you. Yes. Um, yeah, they were all not easy, I must say, but um, I had great confidence. You know, this is what we practiced for all those years, for shots like this. And, and you know, I was so many times in a situation where it, it didn't work out, you know. So it's really um, – I'm really glad and excited that – those uh, up and downs and those bunker shots uh, finally worked when, when you need it. Ken, you're up, sir. Early in the round, were you surprised at how quickly things started kind of going a little crazy out there with Steve and Mike yes. kind of falling apart? Yes, yes. I, I was actually almost in shock, but threw my game off totally. Um, you know, I was expecting him to come out and, and just put so much pressure on it still uh, as a great player as he normally is. But it's golf, you know, even the best players have just a bad day or a, a bad week. This happens. And, uh, um, you know, I was a little bit shocked also on my stupid two little bogeys I made on two and three. Um, but, uh, you know, I was grinding. Um, you know, I knew... Even the guys behind me, you know, if somebody shoot three, four, five on the par, what is doable but tough? Uh, so anything can happen. So uh, I, I really focused very hard today, and I'm, and I'm glad it's over. Let me tell you. <laughs> you know, Alex, one thing I noticed out there on a lot of your great up and ends was that, you know, you'd have about three or four feet, and you'd make a really long practice stroke to seem almost like you're hitting a 50-footer. Is there any uh, reason that you are, were using as part of your routine? Yes, because I, when I make a big stroke, um, I, I give my, my brain an impulse. I want to make a confident and a solid stroke. So I really over-exaggerated just to, you know, especially up the hills. I had a lot of pop-ups where I had the line, but I really had to hit it firm with authority. And that's why I made a lot of practice swings like, you know, don't chicken out and just hit it, hit it solid and and correct me if i'm wrong but this win will get you into next year's pj championship 2022 which uh Oof. you know which will be at this same course how, yeah how you i, play for the, I, the I know but maybe the setup will be too tough for me although you know there was a 50 old winning last week so um you know it'd be great it's a beautiful golf course i'd be honored to play here again no matter what venue no matter what championship and uh i you know i'm excited and i'll definitely give it a shot yeah, Alex, probably the most dominating rookie season so far since Jack Nicholas in 91. Would you consider this the best golf of your career? Um, well, yes. Yes and no. I've been playing great. You know, I was 
you know, it sounds weird. I was playing, obviously, uh, on a different level. We're talking 10, 15 years ago with a lot of great players. And I played great. Maybe I didn't win. Obviously, here, there's still so many great players. And I'm playing well. And I'm getting lucky. And, you know, obviously, um, after make it or turning 50 and, and qualifying onto this tour, that gave me confidence. Obviously, that win a couple of weeks ago, it gives every player a boost, a really come. So I, I know I can achieve a, a major. I knew it. And I didn't play with that much pressure here, I want to say. Of course, you want to win. It's always pressure. But I knew, uh, especially today, I, I said to myself, I don't have anything to lose. You know what I mean? I wasn't leading. I was chasing. And, uh, you know, today just worked out. And then I wanted to ask you about your aggressive game plan all day, pushing the envelope on holes like 10 and 13, but also going for it on 17 and the bunker shots like they talked about, gutsy bunker shots. It seemed like you weren't nervous out there and you were just playing to free fire. Yeah, maybe I, it didn't look like I'm, I tell you what, the Sunday at the, the tradition, I wasn't nervous at all. Like I'm playing with my with my wife today. I was nervous. I was nervous. I really didn't pull the shots off, but I kind of miss the shots in right places where the up and downs were not difficult, but, uh, you know, you still have to make them. So there was a great strategy, no kind of where to leave it. And I executed my, those three, four up and downs were huge. You know, if I don't make them, you know, I'm in a playoff or maybe I lose. So uh, that was the key, but I was nervous. Um, maybe at the next major, I won't be nervous anymore because it's, I already have two babies at home. now. <laughs> Alex, let's zoom out for a question from Brett. Lasky. Brett, you're up. Go ahead. Hey, Alex, congratulations. Um, just wanted to ask you about your caddy this week. I know at regions you had Timmy and I'm just curious who you had this week on the back. Yes. I had a, a great friend of mine from Germany. Um, he's from the same, uh, golf course, uh, as when I grew up and, uh, uh, we know each other for so many years and we've been fishing a lot and, uh, he, he, he comes and caddies like three, four, five tournaments a year. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, at the last tournament, my first, actually my debut in Tucson, he was on the back and this is the second time. So, uh, uh I'm going to have him in a couple of weeks, um, in, in, in Germany as well on the back and in Sunningdale. So he's uh, looping occasionally, but he's, he's just a great player. Who's also a great, uh, great friend. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Adam. Can I oh, ask go one ahead, more question? Follow up? Yep. Yes, please. Thanks so much. Um, Alex, if you think about the start to your um, season on PGA tour champions and having to play Monday qualifiers and, and all that, did you ever envision, a scenario where you'd have two major titles? Uh, no, not at all. Um, I knew, I knew I can play here on this tour. My goal was when I started in Tucson, my goal was this year to keep my card somehow to have status for the next couple of years. Obviously it happened like this. It's, uh, it's a dream come true. I didn't even, that never crossed my mind. Um, 
you know, there's so many, as I said in the past, there's so many great players and, 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 and legends and, and hall of famous and, and incredible guys out here playing week after week. And I'm just, uh, I'm just, uh, thank you. Thank you. And I'm, uh, I'm just, uh, you know, happy kind of slowly having two trophies. What, as I, I mentioned earlier, a lot of great names already are on those trophies. Go ahead, John. Uh, as long as our math is right, I'm, I want to ask you if you have any thoughts on the fact that now uh, you are the senior PGA champion, you are actually younger than the reigning PGA champion. Um, <laughs> um, yes, yes, but it's just a number. <laughs> <laughs> one, one other, though, the up and downs were great, but was there one thing that you did better than anything else throughout the four days that allowed you to be standing here? Uh, no, I played patiently. I know this golfers is so, so tricky. And I, and I tell you what, I think I was really surprised all four days, how tricky the pin positions were on every hole. There was not one hole where you, you have a breather where you can like play in the middle of the hole, middle of the green and like trying to two putt. Every hole is on a bump behind the bunker, behind the ridge on top of the ridge. Uh, the key was hitting a lot of fairways. Uh, maybe today I didn't hit as many fairways. We all, even in the group, didn't hit that many fairways. And it showed in the score. The first three days I hit a lot of fairways. I, I, I had great shots to the greens and to the pins. But today we saw that I, I missed a lot of fairways uh, and my playing partners missed a lot of fairways. And it was impossible to, to hit it on the green, you know. So that, that was the key. Jared on the far, your far left. Alex, um, as you walk through the hallways at Southern Hills, um, they do a tremendous job of honoring their major champions. Um, Hubert Green, Dave Stockton, Tiger Woods, Retief. Um, what does that mean to you to have your name against those names up here uh, being honored now? Well, I'll wait till my picture is somewhere hung up on there, then we'll see. No, it's, uh, as I said, great players. I know most of them. I played with most of them. Uh, in their prime, um, um, it's it's just incredible. Normally, you walk past it and you see all those players uh, smiling with great finishes and holding the trophies and everything, and it's a dream come true. So uh, hopefully, I can't wait till till uh, my picture is up there too. So it's great. Alex, two questions. Uh, one: Where will that trophy find a home? Um. I, I don't know yet. I hope maybe I'll get two replicas, maybe. So, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think it's, uh, it's going to be in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where it belongs. So it doesn't fade, you know, in that uh, no humidity, in that dry heat. So I like. And, then, and secondly, going way back, it seems like you've always been fighting. You know, you're fighting some years to keep a card. You're fighting for status out here. But you've always had a great attitude. How much has attitude played into your success? I think big time. Everybody I talk to, everybody I know is fighting. You know, there's only a few gifted players who have such a career where there is no pressure, status for the rest of their lives. And, and, and. A, lot of, a lot of my friends, everybody's grinder for so many years. Um, it's, I don't know, the attitude, you, you, you got to be happy. You know, life is, uh, life is short. We have a lot of friends in the past. 
who, uh, you know, who passed away quickly. They were happy. They were not sick. And you reevaluate your life. You know, you just, um, it's no point being miserable. Uh, it's, it's just a game. It's a great game. It's a stupid game, you know, <laughs> but we all love it. We all play it. And, uh, you know, I think what I've noticed, uh, the guys who play well are always happy. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to be as happy as I can be. And uh, I'm always trying to be happy on the golf course, even if you have bad lies, bad days, bad breaks, bad rounds, you know. Um, it's just, I just, I'm just happy to be around. I'm going to zoom out for another question here from Adam up in Canada. Go ahead, Adam. You are with Alex. Awesome. Alex, congratulations. Um, just wondering, I mean, you've won two majors this month. Uh, you live in Las Vegas. What's the celebration plan tonight? What, what are you doing tonight? What, what's, uh, how are you going to celebrate this win? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to celebrate with my wife and I'm pretty sure she's a little bit tired because she drove our big RV bus all the way from Vegas to here in the last three days. So she hadn't, she didn't have a chance to see me play. And um, I think uh, she's parked by 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 our hotel. So when when I get back, we're gonna we're gonna pop up bottles and uh, and celebrate in in our RV. So she so she drove the RV from Las Vegas to Tulsa. Yes, the she last drove three it. Days? She drove it. She drove it with a friend the last I don't know two and a half days. Wow. Well, that's amazing. Congratulations, Alex. Thanks. Thank you. Go ahead, sir. Can you just clarify when you came off the tour, did you not have enough money earnings, or whatever, for automatic status on the champions? Or um, why did you have to go to Monday qualifiers? I, yes, I did. Um, I, I was right on the border to have enough career money, as they say. <clears throat> but it was a little bit tricky because it's a two-in-one season. You know, the COVID right. threw everything a little bit off. <clears throat> when I, uh, when I, a year before I turned 50, um, everybody's saying, yes, you're going to have status. Great. Maybe not good. Maybe not a lot of tournaments. Nobody knew back then. Then obviously COVID hit, everything got crazy. Um, and, you know, when I turned 50 and I, I signed up for a lot of the tournaments, I, I was in a lot of tournaments, like just in or just out. You know, I, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what would happen if I would not have one tradition and maybe still be in the next tournaments. It's always like one out, two out. Did you get in tradition as a Monday qualifier or as an alternate? Or I, what was it? No, I got in on, on my number. I was an alternate the week before, okay. but then I got in on my number. There was no qualifier for, no qualifier. for, a tradition. yes. And the Chubb was that a Chubb, uh, Chubb, I, I qualified the first one I qualified was Tucson. And I had to qualify for the Chubb Classic, yes. And after you finished second there, did that guarantee your status? No, that second place, a little, let me quickly think. Oh, the second place got me into the next tournament. But because the next tournament was Houston, what was an invitational, it didn't count. Then uh, tradition didn't count. So my top 10 from the Chubb Classic got me into Atlanta, Sugarloaf. TPC Sugarloaf, what in the end didn't matter because I won the tradition. If you've won two majors, hopefully you can play the rest of the year. <laughs> yes, yes. I think they'll have them. Uh, one last question. A lot of, lot of players have won one major. 
you got to the to the threshold here of two. And does that is there something redeeming about that 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 answers a question that might be in your head or other people's head? Was that a little fluky at the tradition? Just that you've done it now twice. It can't be a fluke anymore. Is there something about that? Um, yeah, yeah. I think we all want to win tournaments. We all want to win majors. You know, I, I waited. I played 20 years on tour. I didn't win a, a proper major, as, as they say. Now I'm 50. I'm, I'm having a, a great life. I'm, I'm, I'm playing where I want to be. The majors are still difficult to win. Of course, two is great. As, as we said earlier, I, I've never thought of it. I mean, of course, it's everybody's dream. Um, uh, when you see this trophy, how can you not try as hard as you can to like win this, you know? Um, it wasn't a fluke. Yes, there is maybe potential for more, but as I said, um, a lot of great players every week and a lot of the majors, um, you've got to play really well. You know, I wouldn't be disappointed if I never, ever win a major again. Um, but it's right now I have two and we'll see what happens in the next weeks, month, years. We'll see. All right, Alex. Well, it was a joy to be with you all week. Thank you. We'll look forward to a return engagement in tw just about 12 months right here yes. at uh, Southern Hills and enjoy the spoils. Thank well you. done. Thank you.